preterism, the belief that all prophecies have all been fulfilled, is not biblical. Unfortunately, most Christians, including most ministers, don't know how to refute its claims. And I am currently dealing with a resurrection of this doctrine, and I'll let you in on the conversation on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. And yes, we're going to be talking about the belief system of preterism today. And you say, well, you know, why are we doing that? Well, every once in a while, there's kind of like this resurrection. It'll go away for a while, and then it'll come back. And I've seen um, some comments on our social networking sites that a lot of people are trying to say, well, no, none of this stuff's going to happen. It's already, the book of Revelation, everything's already been fulfilled back in 70 AD, and there's no sense in paying attention to any of this stuff. Wow, that can get you way off out in the desert somewhere. So I wanted to talk about it today because we're having these conversations, and uh, some of you may run across that. I know of people, um, I was kind of shocked. I went to, did a conference in... Prophecy Conference in Kentucky a few years ago, and the pastor told me that most of the pa- or a, a, a majority of the pastors down there around him believed in preterism, and I I just was shocked. I thought that per- belief system had pretty much went away years ago, but every once in a while, it comes back to the forefront. So I wanted to talk about it today because I'm having these conversations with some people as we speak. So preterism. What is it, and is it scriptural? Over the years, yes, we have seen the resurrection of the doctrine of preterism, and the word preterism simply means past. And essentially, a preterist believes that the prophecies of the Bible have all been fulfilled, and and full preterists teach that all the prophecies, including the second coming, were fulfilled in 70 A.D. Now, (laughs) Just bear with me here. Partial preterists believe that all the prophecies of the book of Revelation have been fulfilled up through Revelation 19. So, let, let me give you a little history behind this doctrine. Preterism was first um, advanced in 1604 by Roman Catholic Jesuit Louis de Alcazar. And to really destroy the Reformed Protestant teaching that the papacy was Mystery Babylon, the Great Whore, and the historical Antichrist. So, according to the 19th century Bible commentator Barnes, the Jesuits felt that Protestantism was winning the battle over Roman Catholicism by depicting Rome as the great harlot church. And so, consequently, they attempted to counteract the Protestant Reformed teaching 
by propounding the preterist approach to the book of Revelation. Well, the doctrine of preterism rises in or falls on the teaching that all of the events of the book of Revelation were fulfilled by 70 A.D. Now, make sure you get that because you may have this conversation with somebody at some point. Well, no, all that stuff's already been fulfilled. We're not really worried about that stuff in the near future. Even though we're living through most of it right now, um, you really got to think about this stuff because I'm, I'm having to go back and forth with some people right now and talk about these things. So, there are, let me give you some major, major scriptural problems with this belief system. The doctrine of preterism rises again, again, rises and falls on the teaching that all of the events of the book of Revelation were fulfilled back in 70 A.D. Now, I, I, I want to, with at least a partial list of prophecies in Revelation, I want to go through some of these that have clearly not been fulfilled yet. Because these are the talking points that you will need to know, some of the main talking points, that you can refute this belief system. You say, well, those people that believe that, they're going to hell. No, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's just something that we, we're we're living through prophecy. We use prophecy to show how, um, to validate the Bible, to show how prophecy is written 2,000 to 2,500 years ago are coming to pass right now. And if you believe that all these things have already come to pass and you get into a conversation, you're going to really, you can mess up some people's thinking on some of this stuff. And so we need to talk about it because it's kind of resurrecting its head again. So, number one, um, I want to give you some scriptural proofs. Let's take my previous statement. The doctrine of preterism rises and falls on the teaching that all events of the book of Revelation were fulfilled in 7 AD. Well, the Apostolic Bible, Apostolic Study Bible states this, and I'm quoting. The author of the book of Revelation identified himself as John. Revelation 1, 1, um, chapter 4, uh, 9, verse 22, chapter 22, verse 8. And tradition states that this individual was John the Apostle, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee, And Justin Martyr was here from 100 to 165 A.D. Just as an example, he called called John, the writer of the book of Revelation, one of the apostles of Christ. Irenaeus, who was here from 130 to 202 A.D., he claimed that he was John the Lord's disciple. So according to Irenaeus, John received the revelation almost in our time, back then, toward the end of the reign of Domitian which places the writing of the book of Revelation around 95 A.D. And it's the most widely accepted date. So, if you notice here, the book of Revelation was written 25 25 years, roughly, after 70 A.D., which was the destruction of the temple by the Roman general Titus and the, um, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. So, And that's when the doctrine of preterism claims all of the events of the book of Revelation were fulfilled, but the book of Revelation wasn't written until about 2,500 years, or 25 years later, after 70 A.D. 
So uh, some of these things, I mean, they're irrefutable. I mean, right? Think about it. Number two, Revelation 9, 15 through 16, prophesies a war that will kill one-third the part of mankind. That's never, that's never happened in all of history. It's got to be a future war. So these are some things that, these are some talking points that you can use if you come across somebody who believes in the doctrine of preterism. And I'm going to go through many of them. We'll talk about a lot of different proofs, a lot of different scriptural proofs that you can use. Um, You say, these are bad people. No, I'm not saying they're bad people. They just need to have their thinking rearranged a little bit. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time Message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. All right, the doctrine of preterism, the belief the book of Revelation, everything in the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled back in 70 AD. I'm giving you, I'm, I'm going to walk you through some scriptural proofs that from the book of Revelation, these, these events have not happened yet. And uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, it says that Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles for 42 months prior to the second coming. This didn't happen in 70 AD. The Romans simply destroyed Jerusalem. There was no occupation. They destroyed it. That was it, right? Number four, Revelation uh, 11, 3 through 12, describes the ministry of the two witnesses that will prophesy during the 1260 days of Great Tribulation. And they will then be killed, 
lie in the streets for three and one half days, and later they will, after that, they will raise from the dead. Okay? Nothing like that happened in 70 AD. Also in the book of Revelation, uh, Revelation 13, it describes a time when every person on earth will be required to have a number in order to buy or sell. It's the mark of the beast system. And you give everyone on earth their own unique identification number and then economically sanction them to keep them, rendering them um, in, unable to function in society unless they pledge allegiance to the world governing body or the world religious system. Folks, that has never been possible in history until the invention of the computer and the internet. And now there's blockchain technology and all these different global numbering systems that have been uh, put in place. Never before in history has that even been possible. So you can see the different um, proofs in the book of Revelation that there's no way these could have happened in back in 70 A.D. Another one, Revelation 13 prophesies of the coming of the false prophet who will pull down fire from heaven in the sight of heaven, or in the sight of men. And he's going to deceive the world into following this Antichrist, this global uh, governing figure, by the means of the miracles that he had the power to do. Where is the account of that in history? It's simply not there, folks. These are scriptural proofs that everything in the book of Revelation has not happened yet. Um, another one, Revelation 16, uh, Revelation 16, 12, states the, that the Euphrates River, this is the sixth trumpet war, or, I'm sorry, the sixth vial, the great river Euphrates will be dried up to make way for the kings of the east to invade Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. The Euphrates did not dry up in 70 A.D., right? Especially to make way for the kings of the east to come down against Israel to battle. It did not happen. The Jerusalem was destroyed by Rome, which is due west of Jerusalem, not east. Okay? Also, Revelation 20, verse 1 through 6. It teaches that Satan will be bound for a thousand years at the time of the first resurrection. Preterism teaches that the first resurrection occurred in 70 A.D. However... The 1,000-year binding of Satan has obviously not occurred yet, right? Satan's not bound right now, and he never has been bound up to this point. He will be in the very near future at the time uh, of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Finally, scriptural proof. Um, let's talk about Armageddon. The Bible says this is Revelation 16. The Bible says, and uh, 16, 16, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. The word Armageddon comes from two words, Har Megiddo, or Hill of Megiddo. You can stand um, in the, I've been there many times, you can stand in the ancient city of Megiddo in northern Israel. All of you that have been to Israel with us, we take you up there and we show you the plain of Megiddo and everything, where the battle of Armageddon will originate. It overlooks the plain of Megiddo or the, um, the Jezreel Valley. 
This is the valley where the battle of Armageddon will be engaged in the beginning. And then it's going to work its way down the Jordan River or the Jordan Valley up into Jerusalem and culminate in the Kidron Valley. So the battle of Armageddon has been engaged. Starts in the plain of Megiddo. Then you have the seventh vial. Now I'm in Revelation 16 now. Revelation 16, 17. The Bible says, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple in heaven from the throne saying, It's done. If you notice the term, it, it is done, that means the plan of God is finished. Every, everything God has planned from the creation of Adam and Eve until this point has culminated. He says it's done. A voice from heaven. The rapture has happened at this point. Now we're talking about the battle of Armageddon in the future. And it is time for the bride, the church, to be joined with the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Then you have voices, thunders, lightnings, and an earthquake. So immediately after this, we see a phrase that's used three times in the book of Revelation. Voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. It's, it's very important to understand this when you analyze the structural elements of the book of Revelation. It helps with that, but it also helps with the timing of these things. And it's mentioned here under the seven seals. And there were, the Bible says, and there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, a great earthquake. Remember, this is at the battle of Armageddon, second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. That's Revelation 16, 18. However, this same term is found in the seventh seal. The, the, there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, earthquake. That's back in Revelation 8, 5. It's also mentioned in the seventh trumpet. So it's telling us that these are the same event here. Uh, Revelation, it's Revelation 18, 8, 5, Revelation eleven nineteen. The Bible says, and there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, earthquake, and a great hail. So why are these specific events cited over and over? They're the, they're the exact same event. The sixth and seventh seal, seventh trumpet, seventh vial are all, the, the, are all different um, versions of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's at that time when the vo- there's, there are voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake which this is one absolute proof the book of Revelation not written in chronological order. However, when we talk about the great earthquake, that's when Rome is destroyed. And this is very important when you're talking to somebody that says, well, hey, this event, the great, the battle of Armageddon, all that occurred back in 70 AD. Because you need to understand what happens at the battle of Armageddon here. The Bible says, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great, and the great city, Jerusalem, was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon, which is Rome, came into remembrance before God and gave unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. That is Revelation 16 verses 18 and 19. So there will be the worst earthquake the world's ever known at the time of the second coming, and it is a global earthquake. Multiple cities are going to be destroyed, specifically the city of Rome. What happened in 70 AD? 
Was Rome destroyed? No, of course not. And that's, of course, Mystery Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18 later on here. The Bible also says in Revelation 16, 20, and every island fled away and the mountains were not found. I mean, this is going to be some kind of earthquake. And so this same, this same event is mentioned several times in Scripture, always referring to the second coming of Jesus and the battle of Armageddon. Um, the Bible says, so, well, so let me pause right there. Bible says that um, this great earthquake that destroyed Rome. Picture the setting here. The Roman general Titus comes in, destroys Jerusalem and the temple, 70 AD. But the Bible says at the Battle of Armageddon, there's going to be a great earthquake when the Lord comes back, plants his feet on the Mount of Olives, and Rome is going to be destroyed. So obviously that's not happened in all of history. Rome was here in 70 AD, but it was not destroyed. Okay, So if you understand these talking points that can walk people down through the book of Revelation and all these different events, when you're talking to somebody that believes in the doctrine of preterism, you could say, well, what about all of these events? And your goal is not necessarily just prove them wrong. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm dealing with people right now on social networking. I'm not necessarily trying to prove them wrong. I'm trying to say, Look, here's another way of looking at everything, and you should consider this, because this is the truth. And, you know, in, in doing so, I just, wanna, I just want to kind of pique their interest and say, you know what, maybe this, maybe this doctrine of preterism isn't the right way to go here. And, and in essence, you're kind of proving them wrong, basically. But that's really not the goal. The goal is I want to show them the truth. And so um, that's the most important thing because they need to realize there's some things in the near future you need to be looking for, especially the things we're living through right now. The creation of a world government, a world religion, uh, precursors to the mark of the beast, all these different things. All that stuff did not take place back in 70 AD. So the Bible also says, and it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea... Now we're talking about an earthquake back in Ezekiel now. This same earthquake. And the beast of the field and all the creeping things that creep upon the earth, and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence." And the mountains shall be thrown down, steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. That's Ezekiel 38, 18 through 20. Obviously, that did not happen in 70 AD. It's the same thing that is recorded in Revelation 16. It's another account of that. Ezekiel 38 and 39 is the Battle of Armageddon. That's what we're talking about here in Revelation 16 as well. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 14, and his feet, Jesus, his feet will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, towards the east, towards the west. There shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain um, shall remove towards the north and half of it towards the south. It's the same earthquake 
That's Zechariah 14.4. And then again, the sixth seal. This is happened, it's being told over and over, folks. The sixth seal. Um, this will be in Revelation 6. And the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. That's Revelation 6.14. Same thing. The seventh trumpet, another account. In the same hour there came, there came a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain 7,000 men. This is right in Jerusalem. And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. That's Revelation eleven thirteen. It's told over and over and over. This event and others are repeated throughout Scripture because the Lord wants us to understand them from many different perspectives. Each passage adds another piece of the very large puzzle providing the clues to understand the prophecy. And then we have great hail. Now, again, all this is going to happen in the future. It hasn't happened yet. It did not happen in 70 AD. And the Bible says, And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. It's Revelation 16, 21. We're reading right down through the same thing. And just think, the table of weights and measures in the back of a, if you have an old Thompson chain study Bible, it claims that a talent is about 125 pounds. Now, if that's accurate, these hailstones were weigh about between 100 and 125 pounds each. Nothing like that happened in 70 AD. And... Remember, these vials are poured out at the Battle of Armageddon. During that war, the heavens are going to open. God will rain hailstones weighing over 100 pounds on the world-governing armies of the Antichrist. And how do we know God will send these plagues against the invading armies? Now, think about it. The Roman general Titus, none of this stuff happened. uh, Revelation 16 that has the vials of the wrath of God, none of that happened to the Roman general Titus. So, Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38 and 39 describes the battle of Armageddon as well. And it's during this last war on earth that God said, I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain fire upon him and upon his bands, upon the many people that are with him, and overflowing rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. That's Ezekiel 38, 22. It's the exact same thing that's referred to in Revelation 16. God is going to rain great hailstones on the Antichrist and all those that come against him to fight against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. And so when you, if you can go through all of these different events and analyze them and understand what's going to happen during these events, you can go back to history and say, well, none of that happened in 70 AD. And... Hopefully everybody will get your point. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. 
It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So the, the main point here is that the book of Revelation, no, did not, all those events did not occur back in 70 A.D. And the main thing really is the battle of Armageddon. This, this, this seven vials in the book of in Revelation 16 conclude and at, at the end of Revelation 16. You know, I'd like to analyze all the many passages that detail the battle of Armageddon. I'm not going to have time to do that. But you can look at Ezekiel 38 and 39, Zechariah chapter 12 through 14, Revelation 19, Revelation 16. There's, there's many of them. And, and there's others that provide so many different perspectives on that last great war. The, the wrath of God. What's going on there? Um, and very, very important. Two wars ahead of us. The Sixth Trumpet War, the Battle of Armageddon. But back to the doctrine of preterism. You know, there are, there's, there are other historical and scriptural problems with the core teaching of the doctrine of preterism. One of them is, who is the he? The big question. There, the, the, when you, um, so the core teaching of preterism is that the confirmation of the covenant spoken of in Daniel 9.27 was fulfilled by the ministry of Jesus Christ and has nothing to do with the coming Antichrist. Preterists also contend that it was Jesus who stopped the daily sacrifice by the sacrifice of Himself on Calvary. That, hey, that was not needed anymore. And if, if then, it then follows that there is no gap between the 69th week of Daniel's prophecy of the 70th week and thus the 70th week has already been fulfilled. Okay? So, if Jesus is not the one who confirmed the covenant, stopped the daily sacrifice, and placed the abomination of desolation in Daniel 9.27, then the entire teaching of preterism is invalidated. You need to start considering that these are future prophecies. So, the pivotal question becomes, who is the he? 
who confirms the covenant. Now, this is one of the pivotal questions I should say. Should say. So, if you notice that the same he who is to confirm the covenant in Daniel 9.27 is also to take away the daily sacrifice and place the abomination of desolation. The Bible says, um, Daniel 9.27, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease for the overspreading of abomination. He shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. Now, I, I, I know there's a lot there, but once you understand it, it kind of becomes pretty easy. We have to ask the question, who's the he um, who, that does these things? Well, in Daniel, so if you look in Daniel chapter 11, verses 20 on, through the rest of the chapter, it's referring to the Antichrist. It's not the false prophet. Uh, it's not the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. It is the Antichrist, okay? Daniel eleven thirty and 31 tells us really in no uncertain terms that it is the Antichrist, the, king of that, the final king of the north and his followers who take away the sacrifice and place the abomination of desolation. Um, it says, let me quote it, For the ships of Chittim shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return, have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Those are two clues to what happens in Daniel 9.27. It also calls him the prince of the covenant. That was, that's up in, I think, verse 22 or 3. So this passage obviously is not referring to the Messiah. Would the Messiah ever have indignation against the Holy Covenant? No. Would he ever um, pollute the sanctuary of strength? No, obviously not, right? So the entirety of Daniel eleven twenty one through 45 is discussing the actions of the King of the North, the Antichrist. So you can clearly see here that it is the Antichrist, not the Messiah, who takes away the daily sacrifice, places the abomination of desolation. I know some people are teaching that it is the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. The Bible says in Daniel 11 that the Antichrist is the Prince of the Covenant. And he's, there's three clues in Daniel 9.27. He confirms the covenant. He takes away the daily sacrifice. Causes the sacrifice or um, causes the places the abomination of desolation. The Antichrist does all three of those things. Remember, the one who takes away the daily sacrifice confirms the covenant. According to Daniel nine twenty seven, it's, it's it's the Antichrist. We know for certain that it's the Antichrist, not the Messiah, who will confirm the covenant with many for the seven year period. And Daniel eleven twenty two. Okay, I think it is. Yeah, it is twenty two. Strengthens this proof. It calls the king of the north the prince of the covenant. So this one core issue, it really totally dismantles the foundation of the preterist position. You say, why are we talking about this today? Because if you, 
if somebody comes in teaching something that is diametrically opposed to the Word of God, they can mess up a lot of things. I mean, you take years trying to get people settled on a certain position, and here's what the Word of God says, and then somebody can jump on your social networking sites, or you, let's say you're teaching a Bible study at work or any, any place. You're having a conversation, and somebody jumps in and says, oh, no, all of that stuff was occurred in 70 AD. I heard somebody, I read a book about it or whatever. What are you going to say? What would you say at that point? Could you defend what you believe? Well, I'm having to defend what we believe. I, well, I basically do that every day. But uh, I, 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 I've got some people that are we're going back and forth and some different things. I'm, watch, I'm monitoring some of our social networking sites, and I've seen some people make some comments on there. And I thought, wait a minute, I thought we were done with all that. And then every once in a while, here it comes back. So what I'm doing is kind of giving you um, some biblical proofs on why this is simply not a true position. And so, um, and if you ever have the conversation, you'll love to have this information, believe me. (laughs) I've had it more than once. So, that is really, um, you know, that's kind of a, that's several proofs, but let, let let me drill down into it just a little deeper. The final seven years of the prophecy described in Daniel 9, 27, uh, let, me, let me quote from the New International Version. The Bible says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, or it's a seven-year period. In the midst of the seven, He will put an end to the sacrifice and offering, and the temple, He will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out upon Him. So, there is an incredible amount of information in that one small verse, Daniel 9, 27. But in order to understand 27, we need to answer five questions. Who is the he that will confirm the covenant? What's the covenant? What's the confirmation of the covenant? What is meant by shopping, uh, stopping the sacrifice? And if you know all these things, it's a lot easier to refute the, the, or to bring somebody out of the belief in preterism. And then number five, what is the event called the abomination of desolation? So let's take, a, let's take a, the questions one at a time. Who's the he that will confirm the covenant? Well, that's probably the easiest, maybe the easiest part. Because the he there does three things. The, he confirms the covenant, causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and sets up the abomination of desolation. Again, really quick. Daniel 11, 21 and 22 states the Antichrist, the final king of the north, will be the prince of the covenant. So it's the Antichrist that confirms the covenant. Not the false prophet, not the pope. Okay? It's very important. It is not the pope. I'm proving to you it's the Antichrist. Daniel eleven thirty one says the Antichrist and his partners will take away the daily sacrifice. Daniel eleven thirty one also says the Antichrist and his partners will place the abomination that make it desolate. So the Antichrist confirms the covenant. The Antichrist causes the sacrifice and the oblation to stop. The Antichrist places the abomination of desolation. It's easy. In Daniel 9, 27, the he is the Antichrist. Number two, what is the covenant? Well, Genesis 15, 18. It explains, it says, um, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, and from the river of Egypt, unto the great river, the river Euphrates, 
So all the way back in the first book of the Bible, God made a covenant with Abraham that the Holy Land would be given to his descendants, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that lineage, for a homeland. And this is referred to as the Abrahamic covenant. What is the confirmation of the covenant? If the covenant is God's promise that Abraham's descendants would live in the promised land, then what's the confirmation of the covenant? Well, we've already proven that the Antichrist is the he of Daniel 9.27, right? So it follows that the he, the Antichrist, is the one who will confirm the covenant. In other words, the Antichrist will confirm Israel's right to exist in that homeland the promised land, promised to Abraham by God, uh, what would that be? That'd be, what, 4,000 years ago, back in Genesis 15. So you understand. I've, ha- I've had people say, well, you know, it says nothing about the Palestinians there. You've got to understand every clue here to understand what's going on. Presently, the Israeli enemies deny that she has a right to the homeland there. Most of the Arab countries have yet to recognize Israel's right to exist. Now, I know we have the Abraham Accords uh, and things like that, but that's a, that's a few. I think there are, what are there? There's over 20 Arab nations, and I think four of them are included in the Abraham Accords. So, when the confirmation of the covenant takes place, the Antichrist and the world community will confirm Israel's right to exist in the homeland. And, or the, I should say the Holy Land within agreed-upon borders. And this agreement will also establish a Palestinian homeland in the area of Judea, Samaria, commonly referred to as the West Bank. Why do I bring in Palestine there? Because all the nations of the world, think about it, all of the entities, all of the groups of people in the world, there's one entity that is vying for the West Bank, and that is the Palestinians. Who else? Who else is vying for that land? The Iranians? No, I mean, sure, yeah, they'd love to drive Israel out. But the people that the international community recognize as... in, in the, Now, I'm not saying scripturally. I'm saying in the eyes of the international community, it's the Palestinians. They view as the only solution to all of this is a two-state solution. The Israelis and Palestinians, two states living side by side. That's what they agree is the solution, a two-state solution between Israeli and the Palestinians. The international community is going to recognize this in the near future. It's going to be between the Palestinians and the Israelis. If you know anything about the, the geopolitical situation over there right now, it's the Palestinians and the Israelis. And so these are proofs that you can use. It's ways to recognize who the he was in Daniel 9.27. It was not Jesus. It was not the Messiah being put to death, stopping the sacrifices. That's not what the scripture is saying at all. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
we survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. All right, look, everybody, I know that this is detailed information. I know that. And I'm really plowing through it pretty quick because I want to make sure you get it. However, if you ever have a conversation with somebody that says, oh, no, all the prophecies, the book of Revelation, that took part back in uh, 70 AD, you can say, well, whoa, 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 hold on a second. What about this prophecy? What about that? If you can explain this stuff, play this video for them. I'm just saying it's nice to be able to say, look, I, I understand you believe that way, but let me show you scripturally. Because somebody, some people have just read a book on it and things like that. And so just want to make sure we bring everybody over to the truth side, okay? That's the main goal here. And so... Uh, the number four thing you need to understand here, uh, we got to answer five questions. Number four, what is meant by the stopping of the sacrifices? Well, the Middle East Peace Agreement will place the temple under a sharing arrangement between Muslims and Jews according to Revelation 11, 1 and 2. Israel is going to be allowed to build her third temple without disturbing the um, Dome of the Rock or the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And when the temple is completed... Animal sacrifices will be offered just like they were in the Old Testament. And, oh man, I've got something I want to tell you about a red heifer. I, I hesitate because I haven't seen it yet. i got some guys that are wanting me to go to a meeting in December to possibly look at a qualified red heifer. If I go and... It is qualified by the rabbis. I will, I'll ask them if I can expose the whole thing uh, on the air. At this point, I can't, but I, I'm just telling you, there are massive efforts in Texas to acquire a qualified red heifer. They think they have some. It's not being reported at this point, so I'm not going to give you names or any of that stuff. But I, if, if at all, if, if I can, um, at some point, I will... Um, I'll, I'll be able to talk to you about it in great depth because I'm supposed to go to a meeting with the guys who are running the whole thing. And so once I go to that meeting, it's December. It's at the latter part of December sometime. Once I go to the meeting, then I'll be able to speak to it in great detail um, and maybe show some pictures. It depends on what they allow me to do. But um, they need a red heifer that has been approved by the rabbis for the purification sacrifice to implement sacrifices for the third temple. Imagine this. Imagine if they, in the first, for the first time in thousands of years, got a qualified red heifer. How much pressure do you think those organizations to build the third temple would put on the government to say, look, God has provided us a red heifer, and now we need to build the third temple. They would put immense pressure on them. Now, let me tell you something real quick. 
Well, so they, 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 they offer just like they're, they're going to offer sacrifices just like they did in the Old Testament. These are the sacrifices that the Antichrist are going to stop, probably at the urging of the animal rights activists because they're going to be offering one in the morning and one in the, in the evening. Let me clear, clear something up. I had some, somebody call me or, or email or call the other day and say, hey, I can't believe you guys are supporting a sacrifices and the building of a third temple. Uh, Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, and we went down that path. I told him, I said, look, I, I don't support it. I don't agree that they need a sacrifice. Because I know Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. He died on Calvary. He paid for our sins. He was the atonement for sin. I am all 100% on board. This is what we teach. I will never give a dime to finding a red heifer, to any type of sacrifice ceremony, to the building of the third temple. Because I don't think we need it. However, the Bible says it's going to happen. And so we have to talk about it. Um, It does not mean that I agree that it should happen. Because I don't. It simply means that God sees the end from the beginning. He says in His Word it's going to happen. So we have to talk about it. Because if it, once they set the cornerstones for the third temple, folks, we're off to the races. And so that's going to happen in the very near future. Um, and I'll get back with you guys on the red heifer once I have a little more on that. At this point, they're not talking about it to anybody. I had a, a close uh, a friend of mine that went on an Israel tour with us. He's friends with the guy that's over the whole thing. And he actually contacted me and said, hey, you want to go to this meeting? I said, uh, yeah. And so uh, once I find out how much they'll let me tell, I'll come on the air and um, we'll go from there. So that'd be cool. Proof number five. What is the event called the abomination of desolation? Uh, so the abomination of desolation, that appears many times in Scripture. In Matthew twenty four fifteen. Jesus said the abomination of desolation would stand in the holy place. He's sitting up on the Mount of Olives. There, he's looking at the temple. The one he just told him, it's all coming down. <laughs> he said, well, um, he said that it would stand in the holy place. The holy place, obviously, it's in the temple, or at least on the temple mount, right? The apostle Paul described it more in detail in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3-4. through 4. He said the second coming of Jesus would not occur until the man of sin the son of perdition, the Antichrist would be revealed. He went on to say that the Antichrist would actually sit in the temple of God, claiming to be God. Folks, there is going to be a third temple built. And so where does the abomination of desolation occur? In the temple. The abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist stands in that temple proclaiming himself To be God. Totally blasphemous act. But the Bible says he will speak blasphemies. And so now we know how to read and understand Daniel 9.27, right? You can answer those five questions. You got it. And when we see a peace treaty signed between Israel and the Palestinians, which confirms Israel's right to a homeland in the Middle East, places the temple under a sharing arrangement, allows the building of Israel's third temple. And it's going to also allow Israel to retain control of Jerusalem all the way throughout. Then once we see that peace agreement with all those characteristics, that's the beginning of the final seven years 
to the Battle of Armageddon. None of that. That that did not happen in 70 A.D. The world governing body did not recognize Israel's right to exist in in their homeland. No. So in the middle of that final seven years, the Antichrist is going to stop the sacrifices, stand in a rebuilt Jewish temple, proclaim to be God himself. That event is the abomination of desolation, which begins the final three and one half years to the battle of Armageddon. That's the same final three and one half years Jesus talked about being the great tribulation. So obviously, none of this occurred throughout history, right? And what am I doing? I'm giving you proof after proof after proof refuting the doctrine of preterism. The, you understand the teaching of this generation shall not pass. Uh, in Matthew 24, 34, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. A, a, somebody who believes in preterism contends that Jesus taught in Matthew 24 that the generation to which he was speaking would not pass until all of the prophecies of that chapter were fulfilled. Well, of course, that would include the prophecy of the Lord's second coming and the gathering of the elect from the four winds of heaven, verses 30 and 31. How would you refute that? Well, you've got to understand that that is not what the passage teaches. In verses 32 through 34, Jesus said, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When this branch, when, his, when its branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, then you know summer's nigh. So likewise, when you see all these things come to pass, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So Jesus was saying that when we see the fig tree putting forth its leaves, then we know summer's near. Likewise, when you see the sign given in Matthew 24, then you'll know that that generation that witnesses those things, such as the abomination of desolation that he spoke of in Matthew, um, or earlier in Matthew 24, it's not going to pass until all the prophecy is fulfilled. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that we would hear of wars, rumors of wars, nations going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines, uh, pestilences, or pandemics, earthquakes in diverse places. But these things have been happening for years. There were pandemics back in in Bible days. So what are the two discernible signs in Matthew 24 that when you see those things come to pass, then you could know that generation would not pass until he sees the second coming? Because remember, Matthew 24 is the Olivet Discourse. And he's talking about events that would transpire at the end of the age, not to them. So, number one, <clears throat> Matthew 24, 15. Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, all the way back in Daniel 9, 27, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. That's one. Number two, Matthew 24, 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So those are the two events that you're looking for because we've, we've seen um, earthquakes. We've seen wars and rumors. We've heard of wars and rumors of wars. Uh, we've seen pandemics. We've seen all these different things, uh, famines, throughout time. But these are two things Jesus said, when you see these two things, 
Then later on he said, when you see these things come to pass, something you can nail down, then let them let, then know that this generation shall not pass to all these things be fulfilled. Um, <clears throat> judgment of Jerusalem in 70 AD was the second coming. That's what they say. Well, in order to teach that all of the prophecies in Matthew 24 were fulfilled in 70 AD, preterism must give an explanation of the second coming described in verses 30 and 31. And the Bible says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with the power and great glory. He shall send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. The explanation given is that Jesus coming in the clouds is symbolic. And Jesus coming in, of Jesus coming in judgment. And it's contended that the judgment of Jerusalem in 70 AD was the second coming of Matthew 24. However, there is a fatal flaw to this teaching. Revelation 1-7 describes the coming in the clouds. It says, Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. So this passage states that at the second coming in the clouds, every eye shall see Jesus coming. Let me ask you a question. Did every eye see him in 70 AD? Well, obviously not, right? So, you know, man, there's so many more proofs. I wish I had time to go through all of them, but I know we're coming to a close here. But I just wanted you to know today, because I know that if I am dealing with some of these uh, teachings, perhaps you are as well. And I wanted to make sure you had a little, um, a little background behind it, a little, um, some proofs and things that you could go to an individual and say, well, I respect your position, but what about this, 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 and this? And trying to help them come along and say, look, all these things are going to happen in the near future. They did not happen in 70 AD. God bless. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.